I was listening to a, uh, a podcast of one of my uh, favorite authors, uh, Scott McKnight, and he was talking about uh, what he, he teaches his students at his seminary about uh, getting ready for sermons and, and, and everything. And he said, you know, really the high point of a Sunday morning service is the reading of Scripture. This is, is uh, what we base our faith on. It's how we learn about Jesus. It's how we learn about God. It's how we learn about how we're called to live as followers of Jesus. He said everything that comes after the reading of Scripture is all downhill. He said my, my students love to hear that as they're preparing their sermons. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's also a little bit of a relief that um, you've, you've heard the word of God, and now I hope that there's something meaningful that comes after that, uh, something that we can be further learning and growing together in. Uh, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, um, and we thank you that we've heard how wonderful and uh, majestic and praiseworthy you are from uh, Psalm 99 this morning. Lord, I pray that as we uh, continue uh, this morning to look at your word, that you might uh, open our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. Over the next month, uh, the sermons are going to be a little different than what uh, they have been for these uh, last few months. Um, hopefully you've seen that I often like to take a story or take a scripture and really dig into that, uh, see what it meant it, to the original audience, see what it meant to the, the people in the time of the Bible, in the time when it was written, and then look at ways that we can take that and apply that to our own lives. Uh, that's really kind of what I like to do. Um, but over the next month, uh, we're going to be taking a look at the larger story of Scripture. We're going to be kind of taking a step back to see what this story, this grand story, uh, what we've kind of used the term biblical narrative over the last couple weeks, to look at what the Bible as a whole is pointing us to. I, I love learning about the Bible. Uh, when I went to, to college and started taking Bible classes, a, a few well-meaning folks said, uh, as I went to college, and sometimes colleges and seminaries can be viewed skeptically, uh, they said, uh, don't let them change you. And I know what I know kind of what they meant, and I know what their, their fear was, but you know what? I got to college, and I found professors who loved Jesus and wanted to help the church by teaching students and potential pastors how to really open up scripture and, and dig into it and look at what the Bible really says. Uh, when I started taking some of these classes, it was just amazing how uh, books of the Bible that I had read, stories that I had heard in Sunday school, and my dad was a pastor, so I grew up in the church. I grew up hearing all these stories, and yet they could make these, new, these stories jump off the page with new life as we dug into uh, the world of the Bible. I remember studying the, the book of 
John and, and the professor just helping me see the, the themes of dark versus light uh, and, and, and see how the details that John uses in his gospel just bring the story of Jesus to life. I remember sitting in uh, a class on the uh, letters to the Corinthians and the just seeing the, the situation in which Paul was writing to and, and how in the church we find situations very similar. And so Corinthians becomes just this great book for us to read and study today to see how Paul addressed issues then and how we as a church might address issues now. Uh, more recently, I took a class, uh, I think two years ago, on Chronicles. First and Second Chronicles, which starts with nine chapters of genealogy, which most of us go, nah, all right, let's, let's get to the good part, right? Uh, we do that at the beginning of Matthew, too. We just kind of skip over the genealogy. Um, but he's, the, the professor spent an entire, I, I, it was, it was a, several classes talking about the genealogy of this book and how people that really shouldn't be there are there. And, and he just really brought the theme of Chronicles to life, even from the genealogy of people begotting people. And uh, it, it just was amazing to, to see how even this list of names could be inspired by God. So I came to a deeper appreciation of how an ancient collection of books could be inspired by God. I could get a better understanding for how God's word to them in the time of the Bible, in their language, could also speak something to me and to us today. So I, I really value scripture, and I value reading scripture in the context of community, of meeting with one another. We had uh, some interesting conversation this past Wednesday as we gathered and kind of gave feedback about sermons and, and opened up and looked at some uh, texts. Um, one of the texts that we had in the, in the past couple weeks, I also gave to uh, a pastor friend. And I said, I've got this question about this, this passage. And, and we kind of talked, emailed back and forth about uh, some, some things we thought. And so I really value reading scripture together. And as a community of faith, I hope that we want to be growing in our ability to read and understand and to interpret Scripture well. So Scripture for me is so important because I love Jesus. When I open the Bible and I read about who Jesus is, I want to get to know Jesus more. And the way we learn about who Jesus was and is and the way that he lived is by opening up Bible. And I fall more and more in love with Jesus, who is the living Word of God. So over the next month, we're going to be taking a big picture view of Scripture. You've heard the saying that you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we, we just get so enamored by this one tree that we fail to see the beauty of the forest. And sometimes we can do that with Scripture. We, we dig so much into one passage, which is important for us to do sometimes, to, to uh, just find God's inspiration in that one passage. But we also need to see where that one story fits in the, the larger picture 
of the Bible, the larger story of the scriptures. So we're going to take a step back and see the flow of the Bible. But before we get there, we need to get some uh, Bible basics. All right? What is the Bible? Well, let me start by talking about a few things that the Bible isn't. One thing that the Bible isn't is a systematic theology book. Now, maybe you've never heard of the word systematic theology. I had to take two classes on it uh, in, in college, and I had to buy these two really fat books, and um, they were bigger than the Bible itself, and they were supposed to help me understand everything the Bible said about this topic. And when it's pull all these scriptures from here and all these scriptures from here and all these scriptures from here and help me understand what the Bible said about God. And so we use big words like omnipotence and uh, omnipresence and omniscience. Um, You can go and look up those words if you want uh, later. And we, in theology classes, we often like to use big words to make ourselves sound important. Um, But it was... It was, what does the Bible say about this topic? Which sometimes is really, really helpful for us. But that's not how the Bible is split up. See, the systematic theology class was was great, and there were some really good discussions. And I wish it wouldn't have been right after lunch and, um, you know, have bored me to sleep several times. Um, And thankfully, the Bible isn't that. The word of God is is more beautiful than that. It's a love letter. It's a a story of of God's movements among humanity. And sometimes I wish it was just straight, this is what God says about this, and this is what God says about this, and this is what God says about this. But it's not as simple. It's, It's more beautiful than that. The Bible is also not um, basic instructions before leaving earth. How many of you ever heard basic instructions before leaving earth? All right, it's an acronym, Bible. All right, sometimes we really like our acronyms, and uh, sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not. Because sometimes the Bible is anything but basic and simple. It does give us instructions for how to live now, a life that begins now, and can continue on into eternity. But sometimes we just want to turn the Bible into a simple how-to manual. There are parts of the Bible, like I said, that are anything but simple. Sometimes we'd rather get a how-to manual of life rather than actually opening up Scripture and pouring over it and, and seeing what God really has said to people and what God continues to say to us. We want to make it simple. But the Bible is not written like that. The stories, the the poetry, the wisdom, the letters, they require an investment of our time and our energy to read and study and meditate on God's Word. But if we want to take the Bible seriously... And if we believe the Bible really is breathed into by God that is inspired. And if we believe the Bible really has something to say to our lives today, that means authoritative. Then we should not approach it flippantly. We should not um, just approach it 
for the simplicity. We should give it the respect and the care and the thought that it deserves. So what is the Bible? Well, one thing the Bible is, is an anthology of ancient books. That means a, a collection of ancient books. It is first God's word for them in their day. It is more than that, for sure, but it's not less than that. God speaks to Moses and to the people of Israel in Moses' way. He speaks to, to Moses in a burning bush. God speaks to David in David's way, through psalms, through songs, through poetry. God speaks to Isaiah in Isaiah's way. The prophets often use these dramatic images or, or dramatic actions to illustrate the will of God. God speaks to Matthew and to Mark, to Luke and John in their way. God even uses this ancient uh, genre of literature called apocalypse to speak to the church in the book of Revelation. And so first we have to understand what God's word to them in their day was, and then we have to learn how to apply that to our lives, to see what God said to them and then to see what God says to us in our day. We need to understand what God's word to them in their way is. Students of scripture look at a type of literature that scripture is written in. When you and I uh, pick up a, a book out of the library today, we don't pick up a historical novel and a science fiction book and read them in the same way. We have an understanding that, that one reflects his history, and one, in, in its best sense, uh, science fiction, is critiquing what's happening in its day, but it's doing it in futuristic terms. And we don't read those books the same way. And so the Bible is filled with different types of literature. So we need to look at how the Bible is written. We need to look at the language of a text. And I'm not a Greek or Hebrew person. Uh, there's people that do that much, much better than I do. Uh, but sometimes it's interesting for us to look at what a word really means. We look at who a book was originally written to and, and the situation they were living in. And we see this most clearly in the epistles, in the letters that are in the New Testament. We see that Paul is writing and addressing real situations that were happening in the early church. He writes uh, this letter to Philemon, who was, had been a slave owner, and his slave runs away. And Luke, uh, sorry, Paul wants to write back to Philemon about this, this slave of his that has found Jesus, who has become a co-worker. Philemon um, then receives, is expected to receive this slave back, not as a slave, but as a brother. So Paul is addressing real issues, real problems that were happening in the church. And by reading what Paul says to them in their day, we can learn something for our day. Because God's word is alive and active still. We can ask who, what, where, when, and why of Scripture. Who wrote to whom? What kind of book did they write? Where were they writing from? When did they write? 
why did they write it? The beauty and the, the inspiration, the authoritative part of the Bible, the thing that makes it more than a collection of old books that might tell a nice story for them in their day but have nothing to say to us. No, the, the Bible reveals something to us today about the nature of who God is. It reveals how God acted and who God is and how Jesus has come to redeem and restore us. So we need to take Scripture very seriously. And collectively, the Bible is a story about a king and his kingdom. It begins with God as king, and then it changes as man claims to be king. That's the story of Genesis 3. It's also the story of uh, 1 Samuel that we'll look at next week. But God in Jesus comes to reclaim the kingdom. And what we also get to experience through this series is how we as individuals can partner and find our story in the story of God. Because we're going to, in a couple weeks, be baptizing some people. And that's them identifying with this story of God, of how God claims to be king and how we all reject God as king, but we can then live with Jesus as king. And so we partner in that story as people of faith. But the story of God as king begins at creation. As God creates through decree, God conquers the chaos of the formless void and he builds a temple of creation. And in the center of that temple, he installs his image, his icons. And God gives that icon the job of being a co-ruler or a governor of creation. So God is depicted as the king of the universe throughout the Bible. In the tabernacle and the temple that the people of Israel construct. In the center of that tabernacle and that temple is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Jewish people that believed that between the cherubim that were on that tabernacle was God's throne. It was the place that God sat and ruled the universe from. And so they viewed God as king. The book of Deuteronomy is actually structured as a treaty between a king and a, and a lesser governor. And so by the very structure of the book, it claims God as the king. The psalm that we read this morning is one example of many passages that claim the, the majesty and, and the royalty of God. It's beautiful. But as Americans, I think sometimes we struggle with this idea of God as king. Because we've rejected kings in history. And so to think of God as a king can be really hard for us to do. I was talking in the uh, inquirers class the other week about um, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. I said, how many of us view obedience as a positive thing? 
when I have to have an obedience kind of conversation with my kids, it's usually because they did something wrong. And so that word obey and command, that can be really hard for us to do. The Bible also uses words like submission. And man, those words rub us the wrong way. It's because we all kind of grind against that idea of handing over lordship to somebody else. It can be really hard for us to do. And we're not alone in that. As we look at the story of the Bible, as we look at the story of history, as we look at the story of our own lives, we find ourselves going against that. Having a hard time following God and Jesus as king. It's the struggle we all face. And in that video we saw that we can choose to do things our own way. Or we can choose to follow God's plan. We can choose to partner with God and live in God's way. Acknowledging God's lordship. Or else we can live our own way, following our own desires. And that's just not a road that leads somewhere that's living, that's life-giving. So the next couple of weeks, I want to be looking at the big picture of the Bible. And think about how we approach reading the Bible. If scripture is really something that you and I want to take seriously, we need to be opening it up and studying it with one another. The Bible is crucial to our faith. We want to follow Jesus more and more closely. And the Bible helps us see who Jesus is and how Jesus lived and how Jesus wants us to live. We're going to close our service this morning. There's a number of great hymns that talk about retelling the story of Jesus, retelling the story of our faith, retelling the story of how God has worked in our own lives. And so uh, over the next month, we'll be singing some of these hymns. So this morning, I invite you to stand and turn in your brown hymnal to number 444, I Love to Tell the Story.